Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn about upcoming apologetics events, our podcast, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 about what it means to be a servant of Christ and a steward of the faith. Now these things, verse 6, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that in us you might learn not to exceed or go beyond what is written. Very important that you mark that. We can't exceed what is written. What we know from God is what is written. In order that no one of you might become arrogant in behalf of one against the other. Brethren, I'm applying these images to you of farming and architecture and under rowers and stewards, because I want you to anchor your judgments in the Word. Don't go beyond what is written, because that's really all we have. For who regards you as superior? Verse 7, ESV, who sees anything different in you? And what do you have that you did not receive? But if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Do you know that your very breath right now is a gift from God? He holds your life breath in His hands. But we live in a world where arrogant displays of I'm all that and a bag of chips is rampant. And there's, there's some of that that appeals to us, right? Some arrogance, some self-confidence that we see can be attractive. And I'll let you work out you know, how you how you measure all of that. We want to have a good amount of confidence, but we don't want to be overconfident. We don't want to be arrogant. We want to have our confidence in the Lord. How do we find that balance? I think a lot of it, in fact, I think all of it has to do with your identity in Christ. Here's a commentary by Um, and he comments on this whole evaluation thing, how people evaluate. He goes, none of us is immune. Everybody's a critic. We evaluate athletes, coaches, films, food, restaurants, news anchors. We can watch a news report or video and be swayed by comments in the section below as I described. We talk to friends about what other friends post on social media profiles. There are those that we look up to and those that we look down on. We are also prone to evaluating ourselves and paradoxically holding hold intention and over-inflated evaluation of ourselves and a gnawing suspicion that we don't measure up in the eyes of others. Evaluation is brutally cynical. We evaluate and overanalyze others, but the scrutiny to which we subject others is not something we ourselves can bear. We can end up being paralyzed by other people's judgments of us. Your life is not about being defined by snapshots or sound bites. It is about a picture of God's grace poured out to us in Jesus Christ. Think about it. Think about how many of our young people are living and dying with criticism on social media. Think about how many of us live and die if a friend has an issue with one area of our lives. Or we made a statement, and maybe that statement was based upon biblical truth, but we can't handle the fallout of it because somebody's mad at us. Look, 
This is so much of the human dilemma, and I think especially in today's day and age that we have to get over, but it's hard to get over it because it's our humanity. I think all of us want to be okay with people around us. But Paul is basically saying, look, you guys are doing all this evaluating. You live and die with evaluations. You live and die with when someone speaks, how impressed you are with their philosophical rhetoric. But you've missed the substance of who people are. We live, our world is a theater of God's common grace. Humans are made in the image of God. How easily we can push them aside. How easily, look, we can do this, we can look at an unbeliever and we can easily dismiss them though common grace has been poured out on them. The sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. They are a person we want to, to uh, lead to Christ. We want to pray for them. But we can so easily dismiss people almost as if it is nothing. And we can do that even with those who we're supposed to love the best. This is our world. And Paul, when he admonishes the Corinthian church, is saying, this is not how you live. If your existence is defined by this garbage, you need to rethink your whole worldview. Because that is not life. We have young people committing suicide based upon the reaction they get on their posts or how their friends see them in these kinds of channels and lanes. You guys know what I'm saying. And Paul's saying, look, this has to stop. We cannot be this way and be spiritual. This is not true biblical love, which we'll read about in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul, in essence, is saying, what makes you think that you're all that? And a side of fries. <laughs> I just added that. I just made that up. Do you guys like that more than a bag of chips? I, I, don't, I don't even know where the bag of chips thing came from. But. That could be it. I didn't have my donut. That's the problem. And so what we really need is a humble self-evaluation of ourselves and others. And I know some of you who are here today, you know, maybe you're thinking to yourself, man, all I do is beat myself up. I don't have some vaunted uh, self-evaluation. I, I live with trying to deal with who I am. I understand that. Some years ago, someone said to me, Michael, you need to give yourself the same grace that you preach to others. Because we can be hard on ourselves, right? When we don't hit the standards that we think we should. But in everything in my life, if I can see it as a gift from God's hand, it will really change my perspective. If I can say, Jesus, You are my foundation, and every gift that I have is from You, it will bring an automatic humility to my life and to Your life. The meek man is not a human mouse, afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion, as strong as Samson. But he has stopped being fooled about himself. This is A.W. Tozer. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. 
He knows he is weak and helpless as God declared him to be. But paradoxically, he knows that at the same time, he is in the sight of God of more importance than angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. This is his motto, close quote. Or as John the Baptist put it, a man can receive nothing unless it had been first given to him from heaven. He must increase. I must decrease. And there's a beautiful life in the upside down kingdom that when you die to self and you decrease and he increases, you're going to see fruit in your life start to blossom everywhere. Because when you put God first and others first, your life takes on rich meaning. Now, Paul's going to use some sarcasm and irony as we wind down. And sarcasm and irony is a good tool because sometimes it can make a point stronger than anything else. So this is sarcasm and irony meant to make a point. Keep in mind, the guy writing it is the guy who planted the church, led them to Christ, taught them for a year and a half. And here's what he says. You're already filled, verse 8. You have all you want, ESV. You've already become rich. You've become kings without us. And I would indeed that you had become kings so that we also might reign with you. You've passed us up. You guys got everything and we got nothing. You know, I think we've all had maybe moments with our children where this has been a conversation. You know, I'm 18 now, Dad. I, I know everything. <laughs> you know. And... And you almost feel like you have to kind of remind them, you know, I changed your diaper, boy. <laughs> you know. When you were crying, there were times when I thought about taking you out of the world because I brought you into it. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, you can go back. But sometimes we get to a point in our, our maturation process where we think we've arrived and then we get a little bit older and we go, oh, I don't know as much as I... My dad, my mom's smarter than they were 10 years ago. This is the natural thing. This is what the Corinthians were doing spiritually with Paul. They thought they had far surpassed Paul. I mean, we've been Christians for four or five years now, Paul. We know you're an apostle and all that, but uh, we know you got direct revelation from Jesus and all, but you know, we've been studying the Bible. I, I got a small group Bible study that meets twice a month. I've worked out Calvinism and Arminianism. I, I've worked out eschatology. I've worked this all out. I know these debates have been going on for 2,000 years, but I think I, I've got it handled. been a Christian for two and a half years. <laughs> so Paul wants to put them in their place, and he says, I think God 9 has exhibited us apostles last of all as men condemned to death. Because we've become a spectacle to the world, get this, both to angels and to men. See the word spectacle there in the New American Standard? It's theatron in Greek. It's where we get the word theater. It is that we've become almost like the world looks at us as though they were looking at a theater or a television program. But in the ancient world, the theater is the Colosseum. And what happened in Rome is this. Christians... We're taken. Hi, this is Mike Massaro, and I just wanted to invite you out to our special 633 service on November 10th, starting at, you guessed it, 633. We're going to be talking to Natasha Crane, who has written a book called Talking With Your Kids About God. 
The topic that night is going to be teaching your kids and college students apologetics. So for all you parents, or if you're planning on having kids, or if you have grandkids, this would be a great night for you to attend. If you need more information, go to walkintruth.com and click on events. That's walkintruth.com events. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. I'm 18 now, Dad. I, I know everything. <laughs> you know. And, and you almost feel like you have to kind of remind them, you know, I changed your diaper, boy. <laughs> you know. When you were crying, there were times when I thought about taking you out of the world because I brought you into it. <laughs> But, <laughs> you know, you can go back, but sometimes we get to a point in our, our maturation process where we think we've arrived, and then we get a little bit older and we go, oh, I don't know as much as I, my dad, my mom's smarter than they were 10 years ago. This is the natural thing. This is what the Corinthians were doing spiritually with Paul. They thought they had far surpassed Paul. I mean, we've been Christians for four or five years now, Paul. We know you're an apostle and all that, but uh, we know you got direct revelation from Jesus and all, but, you know, we've been studying the Bible. I, I got a small group Bible study that meets twice a month. I've worked out Calvinism and Arminianism. I, I've worked out eschatology. I've worked this all out. I know these debates have been going on for 2,000 years, but I think I... I've got it handled. Been a Christian for two and a half years. <laughs> so Paul wants to put them in their place, and he says, I think God 9 has exhibited us apostles last of all as men condemned to death because we've become a spectacle to the world, get this, both to angels and to men. See the word spectacle there in the New American Standard? It's theatron in Greek. It's where we get the word theater. It is that we've become almost like the world looks at us as though they were looking at a theater or a television program. But in the ancient world, the theater is the Colosseum. And what happened in Rome is this. Christians were taken, persecuted, brought to the Colosseum to fight the lions or to have some sort of public spectacle happen where they would be killed for the entertainment of the Roman world. Those of you who have watched the movie Gladiator have gotten a little taste of what that is really about. And Paul says, that's who we are. You guys are all that, but let me tell you who we are. This is what God has done. When a Roman general won a major victory, it was celebrated by what was called a triumph the general would enter the city in great military splendor, leading his officers and troops. Behind those would come a group of prisoners in chains with the conquered king and his officers prominently displayed for all to see and mock. The prisoners were under the sentence of death. They would be taken to the arena to fight wild beasts. That is the spectacle to which Paul refers. 
In the spiritual warfare he was fighting, he was considered to be that sort of captive, that sort of conquered prisoner condemned to death. As James Moffat translate, translates it, God means us apostles to come in the very end like doomed gladiators into the arena. Why, you say, does Paul speak this way? To straighten out the Corinthians on their attitude about the church. To show them that they're viewing things the wrong way. We are fools for Christ's sake, 10, but you are prudent in Christ. More sarcasm and irony. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished. We were without honor. To this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty, 11, and are poorly clothed, roughly treated, homeless. The word homeless does not mean that Paul lacked a roof over his head, but it implies that he wandered about without a fixed abode. You have all you want. We are in want. We toil. We do work to the point of exhaustion is the word in verse 12. Working with our hands. Manual labor in the Greek mind was a joke. They made fun of it. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. Paul says we're going through these issues and we're hanging on. When we are slandered, when we have evil deeds or motives ascribed to us, we try to conciliate. We answer kindly. We've become as the scum of the world, the dregs, the off-scouring, New King James, the refuse of all things until now. To answer a critic kindly was seen as weakness in the Greek mind. If you were in a debate and you answered someone kindly, they thought, ah, oh, you're, you're weak. You're feeble. You need to fire back. You need to show your strength. But Paul says this is not how we win people. Because our Master from the cross, when He was being reviled, He did not revile in return. When He was being mocked, you know, he had the power from the cross to say, you know what, I'm done with all of you. Father, burn this whole world. How dare they mock the living God who became flesh? If you had that power at your fingertips, what would you do? The first pipsqueak that came by mocking you as you hung on the cross. <laughs> you who said you could rebuild the temple? I'd say, oh Yeah. <laughs> Here's where I imagine having x-ray vision from the cross. <laughs> what happened to old so-and-so? Well, but that's not God's way. I counted dollars while God counted crosses. I counted gains while he counted losses. I counted my worth, my things gained and stored. He sized me up by the scars that I bore. I counted honors and sought degrees. He counted the hours I spent on my knees. I never knew until one day by the grove how vain are the things that we spend life to save. The Father allowed the Son to suffer the sentence of death as a spectacle to the world. And God put His love on display at the cross that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Let me ask you, what's more powerful? If Jesus would have said, you all aren't worth it. Father, send the fury of flames now. But no, you and I are here because we look back to a cross and we say, Lord, I don't know why you did it. 
I don't know why you love me this way. I don't know why you love others this way. But you demonstrated your love on the cross in this, that while I was yet in rebellion to you, you died there. See, the world, friends, please hear what I'm going to say. The world expects the fight. They expect you to respond the way everybody else does. And when you don't, they all of a sudden begin to ask some deeper questions about who it is that you serve and who you know and what is different in your life than everybody else. When you bless instead of reviling. When you love instead of wounding. Look, it's hard. The only way it can happen is to be filled with the Spirit. Amen? But when it happens, the world begins to change. It's what changed me. The love of Christ compels me. Now we're going to uh, have a time of communion and uh, I would ask you as we come to the Lord's table to just, just take a deep breath and reflect a little bit on God's Word. And here's some ways to respond. Lord, I have said that you are my foundation, but I've really been trusting in other foundations and I want that to change. Lord, if I'm an under rower and a steward of this precious message and of all that you've put in my life, I want to steward it well. And maybe for you, you could say, you know what, Lord? I have been largely failing. I have not taken good care of what you've entrusted to me. And today, I'm going to change. Today, I'm going to build on the right foundation and I'm going to build wisely and I want to serve you. This is the purpose of us gathering. This is the purpose of the Word of God that I might not just read the verses, but that I might be changed. Amen? And I know, I look around this room and I see stories of transformation and change all around this room. It's beautiful. It's awesome. And there's more good stuff to come. But it's all going to become about what kind of hearer am I? What kind of hearer are you? What am I going to do with the truth that I've been given? The trust, the blessings. If you don't know Christ, you've got to start with that foundation because if you're not a Christian, everything I'm saying to you, you're not building on the right foundation to begin with. So if you don't know Jesus, the first step to take is to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming and in God's theater and dying on that cross to put your love on display. I want to know that love. Would you just pray with me for a second? If, if this is you, you've not met Christ, you don't know, God forbid, if you died tonight, you would be in heaven. You don't know what it means to be saved by grace right now. It's a gift. You just got to receive it right now. Something like this. Lord Jesus, pray it if it's you. Come into my life. Thank you that you came to rescue me. Thank you that you died on that cross for my sins. I believe in your death on the cross. I believe in your resurrection from the dead. I repent of my sin and I put my trust in you. Please forgive me. Thank you that Jesus took the penalty, the punishment for me. I trust in you as my Lord and Savior. I want to know you, Lord. Save me. If you've been a prodigal and maybe that your foundation's been really shaky because you, you kind of departed from the one strong foundation, 
Just do a little business with the Father right now. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to come home. I want to, I want to build again with the right foundation and the right materials. Thank you that you're so patient. Help me to start again today. And Lord, for this precious congregation, as we all come to your table and we think about the great sacrifice that you made with all that power at your disposal, what you did for us, we're just so grateful. We're humbled by your love and your goodness. And I pray that as these elements come around and we reflect on the cross, your payment for our sins, your triumph over principalities and powers, I just pray that it would encourage our own lives and walk with you. In Jesus' name. You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and this concludes his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 called Servants and Stewards. Remember, one way we'd love to help equip you with God's truth is to answer your question right here on the program. We all have questions, or someone you know has asked you a question about your faith or the Bible. Pastor Michael would love to help you get the answer. So go ahead and email those questions to us. Visit walkintruth.com to email us or call and leave a question on our voicemail. Be brief and tell us where you're calling from. The number is 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, tune in next week for Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 about who your spiritual father is and what that really means. I'm Mike Massaro, and as always, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.